For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Today, we're looking at six players at the crossroads of their fantasy football careers. Maybe they're on a new team, maybe at the end of a contract, coming off a bad season or two, or Hayden, all the above in some cases. I also think this is a really good vessel for us to discuss players we haven't spent enough time on thus far this offseason. Yeah, and the last show geared towards the kind of deep sleepers, and so it's now time to get back up to the players everyone cares about. Well, let's kick it off with one of your selections here. New Jaguars wide receiver Calvin Ridley. So obviously he's back off of suspension, also dealing with foot injuries from lingering seasons. But there was a video out there that I saw from OTAs and minicamp where he looks pretty healthy out there. And that's a good sign. You see some of these other veteran players that are always kind of lingering around, but he looks very explosive to me. So now we just go to the team fit. I don't think that Calvin Ridley is going to have any issues with bouncing back, all that type of stuff. Uh, he should be ready to go. He seems very uh, confident in himself. If you, if you read that uh, report from him a couple months ago, but the offensive fit is just so perfect. Last year, the Jaguars were fourth in expected fantasy points to their wide receivers. Christian Kirk got there. Zay Jones got there. Calvin Ridley is just on a completely other playing field than those two wide receivers and where Calvin Ridley wins to me is he can win on the perimeter down by the sideline. Also deep downfield. He can win over the middle a little bit. He's a very good route runner. He plays faster than what his listed athleticism is. And Trevor Lawrence, would you ever, you watch him, his eyes are downfield. He's trying to rip these big throws. And I was looking into some of the Jaguars data points from last year, just kind of get a feel if this offense was Love actually it. pacing to be a big offense or not. And they were six in EPA uh, per drop back, which is very good. They were third in adjusted sack rate because Trevor Lawrence can manipulate the pocket very well. The offensive line last year wasn't good. It's even worse this year, but I kind of trust Trevor Lawrence to get himself out of bad situations. And Doug Peterson, he was seventh and fourth down aggressiveness. We love a really aggressive coach, especially as they're really uh, getting into a very elite spot. But if you look at it, some of the regressioning kind of stats that I look at, red zone touchdown rate, they were only 20th in that spot. They were 24th in turnover rate. So you have the foundation, avoiding sacks, pushing the ball downfield, young offense, and at the same time, you're also getting a spot where they can be better in red zone and in turnovers, and that's how you can have a really, really good offense. So love the fit, love Calvin Ridley. I think that he can be a legit number one wide receiver in fantasy. Love this. Massive conversation around Calvin Ridley this offseason, going as wide receiver 16 at the moment. That is right in between T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, and then Debo Samuel, and Amari Cooper. I think people are kind of scared to draft Calvin Ridley at this moment because maybe they were snake bitten a little bit by like the Michael Thomas situation last offseason or some other coming off suspensions or injuries in the past that might not have hit. Um, I am all in on Calvin Ridley. I, I understand this is like maybe a layman's take, but it's so clear that he cares that I'm just more willing to bet on him since he cares. Like he, mm -hmm. he actually is trying to be vocal and show off that he is in shape in order to be on the field. And to your point, 
the last time we saw Calvin Ridley on an NFL field for an extended period of time, like the last two seasons, he basically led the NFL in 20 plus yard targets and, and catches. Um, some people might view it as like a chicken and the egg situation here with the Jaguars where Trevor Lawrence last year, I believe was, yeah, he was just 18th in attempts percentage of his attempts that traveled 20 plus yards down the field. That's like right around Brock Purdy and Kenny Pickett and Taylor Heineke. To your point, that's not because of his arm. That's not because of his mentality. I think it was all because of his surroundings. And so when we finally add a player like this, that allows the ceiling to be taken off of this offense that went beyond 12 to 15 yards last year, it was non-existent. This brings such a new element to a team that really hit its stride and the coaching calling the correct plays towards the end of last year that I almost think we can't necessarily comprehend what a Calvin Ridley-esque wide receiver is going to do yep. for the Jaguars offense this year. I mean, Zay Jones was a top 30 fantasy wide receiver last year. Oh, of I mean, course he was. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> not news to you, but for everyone else out there, and uh, Christian Kirk was a top 15 wide receiver. So I think that you're just going to take the Calvin – uh, the Calvin Ridley production is going to be a combination of both of them. Those Both of those guys, to me, are going to decline because Christian Kirk's a number two. Zay Jones is a good number three. Calvin Ridley's the legit number one. And by the way, Calvin Ridley, this is shocking to me. This is the last year of his rookie contract. How he's still on this rookie contract is so shocking to me. But he's playing in the contract season, trying to actually secure the bag uh, for the first time since he entered the league. So in the NFL season-long pickums, Calvin Ridley is projected right now his higher or lower on underdog fantasy. Six receiving touchdowns and just 855 and a half receiving yards. I'm, I know, going, to I'm going to lobby right now. <laughs> I mean, the higher on um, 855 That's and a half nothing. yards, it's nothing. It's nothing. And like you can look at the game logs last year for Christian Kirk and maybe see that Huge volume wasn't there necessarily, but I think when we go back and review what Christian Kirk and the the point of him in this offense was to overpay in order to go from awful at that wide receiver room to average, mm-hmm. and maybe like slightly below average with him and and Christian Kirk and and Zay Jones, I should say. And by the way, like if you're drafting Zay Jones right now as wide receiver 55, 118 overall, I think you just missed the boat. Like the time to draft Zay Jones was last year in round 17 and 18 when the show told you to do so. And not now, because he's just going to see considerably less volume, I believe, if all three of those players, and let's say even four, with Evan Ingram, all stay healthy. I would say the same thing about Evan Ingram. Last year was the time to draft him, not this year. Uh, But the Evan Ingram one, the targets are coming in a different area, I think, than where Calvin really, like, it's so much on the let's get him the ball in space, crossing the formation near the line of scrimmage type things. And so those are almost like manufactured plays, but I, I get what you're saying where those won't need to be as necessary to the offense this year as they were last year. I can see Kirk, instead of being the vertical option, kind of winning more underneath where Evan Ingram is. Like where they, all these guys' roles, they were playing in a step above where their actual talent is. Everyone's yeah. going back to where they belong, and that's a good thing for Lawrence. Let's go to the Philadelphia Eagles backfield, namely DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny, both on one-year deals right now. And from a running game standpoint, there's no better place to be than Philadelphia. And now, from a fantasy football perspective, we are looking to see who replaces the running back 14 in fantasy points per game last year in Miles Sanders. I mean, consider that. Miles Sanders was the undisputed running back one for the Philadelphia Eagles last season, a team that dominated maybe too much at times went all the way to the super bowl 
and he still just finished as the running back 14 in fantasy points per game. Now consider that DeAndre Swift, who tons of questions that we'll get into here in a moment, is going as a running back 23, Rashad Penny, the running back 38, and you have some other guys like Kenny Gainwell running back 56, and Boston Scott as running back 87 on underdog right now. Um, let's first talk about Swift because his ADP is so much higher than the rest. I'll say it. He's a fantastic player when given space or when given the third level. Like the explosiveness to create big plays is definitely th- there. The speed to drive through a lane is definitely there. And in the open field, he can literally leave defenders diving and grasping for air. But what frustrated his previous team was his decisions when things got muddied at the line of scrimmage and that he doesn't pick up yards on like final contact. And that's why to me, like when people focus on the high value touches that Deandre Swift received with the Detroit lions. Yes. You can say that last year it was 70 targets plus 23 red zone carries. That's a lot, but I don't think you can copy paste what is considered a high value touch in every offense across the league, because as we know, the Eagles use their backs, at least they did last year when they were very successful, and I would expect them to do the exact same thing very differently than how the Detroit Lions use their backs. I mean, again, for example, the Lions threw to their running backs last year 115 times. The Eagles only threw to theirs for 61. So unless DeAndre Swift now morphs into the player that is going to take on the 26 carries that Miles Sanders had inside of the 10-yard line, I am very nervous where his now high-value touches are going to come from in order to meet that running back 23 price tag he currently has. And even if he does get the Miles Sanders role, it's a, what, a slight win, but you're carrying on a lot of risk where Rashad Penny, who has some size, can run between the tackles, can get down there and certainly mix it up himself. So I'm with you. I haven't drafted DeAndre Swift basically at all i do think that there's somebody's going to lose out somebody's going to be a healthy scratch between either boston scott kenny gainwell deandre swift rashad penny i think that rashad penny there's some risk about the injuries and going to ir there's been some speculation but i think it's going to be pending on early downs deandre swift in the fancy kenny gainwell role and then kenny gainwell out there as the number three but this is going to be i think a little bit of a rotation they're going to see how healthy rashad penny is and by the way the deandre swift trade I think it was a sharp move by the Eagles because they might be able to get like compensatory compensatory pick back, but it was a like a future day three pick, like yeah, basically four. literally nothing. So um, I don't think that anyone has a solid grasp in as the the leader right now. So I haven't been drafting Penny because he's by far the most expensive. I just have a difficult time with this because in our bubble, this fantasy football community bubble, and I'm sure a lot of the viewers out there love DeAndre Swift for like what he has achieved and he's been efficient when on the field. And I would say, even though maybe he hasn't missed a ton of games, which he's missed a a number, even in the ones he's been on the field, he's been banged up for. So the availability might be an issue, but it's not like he's leaving a team that isn't sharp either, or like Mm -hmm. calls a good offense, you know, like this team was readily happy to, and content to trade away Deandre Swift for a future fourth round pick sign David Montgomery for the second highest free agent money at the position, then spend the 12th overall pick on a player that they believe is an upgrade on DeAndre Swift. And I guess like, again, I want to focus on where DeAndre Swift 
got his production last year and like the previous years and it's on the receiving game mm-hmm. and I, I can't get in the boat and maybe this is just me not being able to see the future of the eagles now throwing to their backs enough why would they why would they you know why? this is an offense where you have two elite wide receivers elite wide receivers a tight end who went on the field is top five at the position and then a quarterback who can make things happen on the ground i mean how their offense runs, and when we broke it down last year with Josh McCown, it's inside zone, it's RPOs off of that, it's the screen game, not yeah. just the running backs, but also the tight ends. And then when the defense crowds the box a little bit, then you have these absolute menaces on mm-hmm. the outside to win in one-on-one coverage. Why would that change even with a different offensive coordinator in the fold? Yeah, I don't get it. I think there's a chance that Penny outscores Swift straight up. I, I think there's a chance that rather than someone inheriting the Miles Sanders workload, they just split it up into four or five ways. Yeah. Yep. That that to me is the most likely. And that's why, you know, the running back 23 stuff, when we saw the guy by himself do it last year, only reach. And I don't want to, you know, knock Miles Sanders here because I'm actually a huge Miles Sanders fan, especially this season. Only got to running back 14 last year. Yep. That was a perfect, perfect season for the Eagles. Perfect, perfect season. It's just crazy to think, not to hammer this home, that DeAndre Swift had 14 opportunities inside the 10-yard line last year and even scored five touchdowns off of it. He was efficient. Jamal Williams had 46. (laughs) So, look, we've already seen this team give Kenny Gainwell in some instances touches inside the 20 and inside the 10. Yep. Like, there is no, hey, DeAndre, this is your job type things. They're even talking up your boy. A little bit. Over Don't there. let him get hot. Don't, Don't let, let him get hot. All right. Who's next for you? Um, Mike Williams. And there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to go with Mike Williams. And it's not just only about Mike Williams. It's kind of about the state of the Chargers in general. Just looking forward real quick. Uh, Jason uh, from Over the Cap, uh, he put out this chart and shows that the Chargers have the least amount of cap space going into next season. And that's definitely going to apply to both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Basically they have the same exact contract and they might be able to afford both of them, but maybe one of the two are going to be gone, especially after drafting Quinton Johnston. I was on the chargers podcast and they kind of theorized that Keenan Allen's going to stay and that Mike Williams might be the one having to prove himself this year. So we have a little bit of that narrative going And Mike Williams last year, his ADOT dropped um, a little bit more. I think that the two high shells probably disproportionately hurt him versus Keenan Allen. But in the four games when both of them were healthy, weeks 14 through 17, Keenan Allen had a 29% target share. Mike Williams only had a 19% target mm-hmm. share. That ratio was not as wide in previous seasons. In 2021, Mike Williams got up to a really hot start. He was actually the wide receiver nine throughout the entire season. Last year, he was only the wide receiver 22 per game. He's been dealing with injuries. He had that scary injury uh, that probably cost him the Jaguars game in the playoffs. He is back out there right now. So I think he has a lot to prove. And the ceiling here is so obviously high because we really think that Kellen Moore could uh, start setting up these deep shots downfield. I think that even just Rashawn Slater, their stud left left tackle being back out there, that will just keep them uh, having uh, Justin Herbert a little bit more time to throw these deep passes. So I'm hoping that Mike Williams could bounce back here just because one, he needs it for his next season to prove that he's a true number one wide receiver, but also I think that he has massive spike week potential. And I'm trying to draft Justin Herbert when I can, especially when I was in the fifth round. And since we mentioned it in previous episodes, Mike Williams was out there during minicamp. He has been squatting with this like lower back 
fracture or injury that he has. So that seems to be behind him at this moment. Yeah. I mean, look, if we think that Quentin Johnson is going to have a good rookie season, doesn't that also mean that like Mike Williams is going to have a good season too? Cause they've expanded just the field in general and they're, they're playing with more pace. They're mm-hmm. playing with more tempo. They're having more plays and they're attacking like every single blade of grass, not like comparing the two players necessarily, right. but there are much more big play threats than let's say that Keenan Allen is. We'll say just from perusing Twitter and, you know, these camp videos, um, I've been drafting a lot of Quentin Johnson lately, despite my reservations as a prospect. He doesn't have to be the dude. And I think he's already maybe growing into a role early on. And I'm trying to retroactively let's say improve a weakness that I have where I focus too much on week one, who we know for the certainties that are going to be there. Right. And then maybe by week five or week eight, the ones who the rest of the season perform at a high level. Mm-hmm. And I think Quentin Johnston might be one of those players. Yeah. He has dual contingent value. If Keenan or Mike Williams, who both have dealt with injuries a lot. Uh, other reason why I picked Mike Williams is I did this chart writing up my team preview for the Chargers. Looking at this chart, could you tell me when you think Justin Herbert, you know, <laughs> fractured all of his ribs, lost his starting left tackle, lost Mike Williams, and lost Keenan Allen? Uh, it was in the middle of that 2022 season. The rest of his career has been phenomenal, except those two or three months right there. They got rid of the offensive coordinator. He's back healthy from that rib. He was running a little bit more. So I think that Justin Herbert, who was already, I believe, second in passing yards last year, threw the ball a ton. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't do that. I think just a little bit more touchdown luck here, and all of a sudden, Mike Williams, your boy Quentin Johnson, Keenan Allen, everybody can get there. This is one of those teams where it can have like a a, a Bengals type of season where everything's clicking, and you're not having to pay the Bengals price tag. That's round one, round two, round four right now. It's actually like round four, round five for the Chargers. Just in general, and everyone's in the Chargers, so maybe this doesn't apply, but it's one of those teams where we were bitten by them last year where we drafted them, other than Austin Eckler, right? And when you go through such a drastic, we believe, coaching change and Mm -hmm. offensive piece change and just getting healthy, you know, along the offensive line, it can be tough to grasp just how much of a jump that helps them, you know? And maybe the Chargers are the best example of that this year, other than perhaps like the Baltimore Ravens, for example. Yep. Because if we had like the first half of week one, we would have our answer kind of if we're in or out and we just have to obviously make these projections and predictions way, way before that. And uh, I'm, I'm just as everyone always is too optimistic about the trajectory of, of where the off season is taking the chargers right now. In the pick em lobby for Mike Williams, the number that stands out is the five and a half receiving touchdowns. He's a touchdown type of guy. I think that the passing yards and the volume was already there in the offense last year. It was just Justin Herbert had a really uh, bad year when it comes to touchdown rate. And I think one of the reasons why his touchdown rate was so low is because his A dot was low. Deeper targets disproportionately help. Uh, touchdowns in general. So just more deep shots that are going to open up longer touchdowns. And that's exactly what Justin Herbert and Big Mike needs. And even with the chart that you put out there, I wouldn't say Justin Herbert played poorly either. It was like the circumstances that drove everything down, not the individual play that drove everything down. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. 
And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. We got to talk about Kadarius Tony on the Crossroads show. That's oh for boy. Sure. The poster, maybe. Uh, football can feel like really monotonous when you get to like Thanksgiving. You know this. Um, that's why I often gravitate to players who just move differently. And when you watch Kadarius Tony, anytime he has the football, it's clear he's one of those players. We, we've said it, you know, since basically the first time he touched the football on the NFL field. Now, what we've heard this offseason dating back to like pre-draft from James Palmer was that the Chiefs now view Kadarius Tony as the wide receiver one on this team. Strong statement. I hope he gets there. But as much of a fan I am of him and of people who move differently at the position, uh, it's a total projection, I think, in multiple phases. One, the variety of routes that he's run. Matt Harmon has done a really good job on this, that a third of his routes this past year in an eight-game sample were flats and screens. And then if you bring in slants and whip routes, so basically everything seven yards and closer to the line of scrimmage, that's 50% of his routes. Right? Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse routes, some might call it. And then two, he needs to stay in the field, you know? Like he needs to be available all the time. And so when I look at where all of these Chiefs players are being drafted, Kadarius Tony, like everyone has so much confidence in him being drafted as wide receiver 38. After that, it's Sky Moore at wide receiver 54, Rishi Rice at wide receiver 63. Then you have like the likes of, you know, MVS as wide receiver 69 and Richie James as wide receiver 96. So my question to you is like, what, what is more likely here? You know, the Chiefs build up a consistent wide receiver opposite Travis Kelsey, or will it once again be Travis Kelsey and then everyone in the wide receiver room based on situation, matchup, routes, air of the field, down and distance? And I am much more on the latter rather yep. than Kadarius Tony emerging as his true wide receiver one. Yeah, this is from week 10 through the Super Bowl, and that's when Nicole Hardman left the offense, and obviously he's out of here. They had full-time players in Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, and then Justin Watson actually had 24 routes per game. He didn't earn any, any targets, so it didn't really matter. And then there was just kind of a couple 10 routes per game for Kadarius Tony, 10 routes per game for Sky Moore, and kind of this gadget role. So what they really need is somebody to step up into that Juju Smith-Schuster role. And it sounds like they have, they're hoping that can be Kadarius Tony, but I would like, uh, Matt Harmon says you have to extrapolate for that to happen. Or is it Rasheed Rice or is it DeAndre Hopkins? Uh, and then also Justin Watson is Justin Watson's routes and stuff. Who's going to absorb those? Is it going to go back to Justin Watson? And then even MVS people aren't very uh, stoked about. So I've been drafting MVS. I think his price tag is the best. Once DeAndre Hopkins signs, 
then I'll feel more comfortable getting back in the Kadarius Tony waters. But I agree that Kadarius Tony has been a manufactured touch player, except for that one stint where I watched him roast a couple teams in a row, the saints and the Cowboys. And it wasn't just all that stuff, but we haven't seen that with the chiefs. Uh, So there, I think we'll learn more in training camp. I just want to see who's out there in two and three wide receiver sets and Kadarius Tony for this price tag has to either play in that Juju Smith-Schuster role where he's running 30 routes per game or something has to happen to Travis Kelsey. Basing that Juju Smith-Schuster role, you're saying he has to be out there in two wide receiver sets, you know, because there's a ton of players on the roster right now that even when they describe them in post-draft press conferences, they yeah. make them all sound like they're slot wide receivers. Correct. You know, like Rasheed Rice has the build and the body of Juju Smith-Schuster, which Brett Feach said basically word for word. But we know that Juju throughout his career has lived over the middle of the field and as a slot player. Then you have Sky and you have Kadarius Tony. Plus, they brought in Richie James, who mm-hmm. did his best work there with the New York Giants. Yeah, I mean, I also want to begin this conversation by saying, like, Kadarius Tony in the role that he is in and just taking and like enveloping all what Miko Hardman did, and not the same exact role, but some of those same touches near the line of scrimmage can still be really productive. Like we were showing it with the here, I'll pull it up here. The season long pickums. It's a touchdown projection of higher or lower at just five and a half touchdowns. Like we saw against the San Francisco 49ers, three touchdowns scored by Miko Hardman because they would uh, take advantage of the aggression of that defensive line of that front flying up the field and get, East-West lateral moves to a wide receiver. We saw that for Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore in the Super Bowl, right? But I guess the question is if he now be, can become a full field player. And I'm hopeful, but I'm not confident in it. And mm-hmm. because I'm not confident in it, I still can't get behind a wide receiver 38 ADP here. Because even when you look at wide receiver 69, not to bring this up again with MVS, he is like Better. their archetype, their prototypical outside wide receiver body that you know he's going to at least see more snaps that doesn't mean more production but Mm -hmm. more snaps mvs is playing on a 10 million dollar contract this year too so he's got starting level money also the only downfield threat not just the outside receiver the only downfield threat the one thing in in redraft at this price is probably too rich for me what's the point of taking on that risk in best ball tournaments though there's a let's say it's a 20 percent chance Kadarius tony earns this role Kadarius Tony in that role could be an absolute league winner. So in some of these tournaments, I think I like the price tag, especially and probably only with Patrick Mahomes teams. I'm not really mixing him in otherwise, um, but I will feel a, a little bit more comfortable once DeAndre Hopkins is signed somewhere else because Kadarius Tony might get trapped in the Mickey Mouse roles if someone like DeAndre Hopkins uh, makes his way over to the Chiefs. 2022 Josh would have been shocked by this, but I think I have more Sky Moore drafts right now than I have Kadarius Tony drafts. At the moment, um, that can be wrong. That can totally be wrong. Um, but I'm still in the camp that it's going to be a mismatch of wide receivers opposite Travis Kelsey rather than a Travis Kelsey plus Kadarius Tony and then everyone yep. else. But yep. hopeful. Okay, two more names. Najee Harris is my last name. Ooh, and spicy. I mean, nobody wants to talk this guy up, right? So, uh, and I'm not sure if I'm necessarily sold on this because like someone like Calvin Ridley is being drafted right next to Najee Harris. So I'm kind of leaning some of the wide receivers in this tier. But let me make the, at least one little case with him. 
Last year's Steelers team was not very good in the beginning part of the season. At least at the end, Kenny Pickett shown some signs. And I think that's just kind of the narrative that I'm going off of. Second-year quarterback, third-year running back. They have a, a, a rookie left tackle that's probably going to be an upgrade at that position. They made an adjustment on the interior. George Pickens going into the second year. Deontay Johnson's still relatively young. Pat Firemuth, relatively young. So all of those guys just taking their natural leaps, I think there's a chance where this offense can kind of settle in, in the middle of the pack instead of like the bottom five, bottom 10, like they were last year. And that kind of difference does matter. And when I was looking at Najee Harris, he was just kind of eating snaps and that's where his value was and not much value to be honest in fantasy football land, but he was six and expected touchdowns last season, despite this really bad offense. So what I'm looking for in training camp to get me kind of buying the dip with Najee Harris is can he lose some weight? Because I think that was his problem last year. He added some weight. He was already massive. He added weight because he thought he needed to uh, be able to absorb 350 touches. Well, they have Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren's definitely spicy enough to go there and mix it out. Why don't you take the Le'Veon Bell route? Remember, same offense. Le'Veon Bell was a thick boy as a rookie. Lost a lot of weight. Got very nimble. And then also was able to really prioritize uh, some of these touches a little bit more wiggle. I think Najee Harris wants to play kind of with this kind of wiggle. That's how he try, tries to run, but he's too heavy for that. If he can lose some weight, that's the thing I'm looking for to kind of unlock this. But I just think the Steelers in general are just going to be at least watchable. They were the l- later part of the season. I just think that that's going to be the baseline for this next year. Yeah, it's it's fair to say that in previous years, Najee Harris's value showed up because he's a sponge. He's a touch sponge. I want to see more than that, right? Like you have to see more than that, especially now of the sparks of the moments that Jalen Warren has shown. Exactly. Yeah. And if he shows more of those, then he'll get more playing time. To be honest with you, like I actually spent a few moments on the honeymoon thinking of like, maybe I undersold Jalen Warren a bit, but not to the degree that everyone else is on Twitter. So there's no reason for me to talk Mm -hmm. about him anymore. My biggest concern, as you said, is, is the lack of explosive plays with Najee Harris. I mean, he had the same amount of 15 plus yard runs last year that Latavius Murray had. Right. Like he had seven 15 plus yard touches on 272 carries. Yep. That's just not good enough. Like it's not sure. Catches can be good. Carries can be good. Volume can be good. But in order to like be a real difference maker and help us win these leagues where you are taking them, you have to score touchdowns and create big plays. And he's just not doing that enough. The touchdowns can be better, like you said, because like the tide rising around him and mm-hmm. the team is getting better. But I just I'm I'm nervous even dating back to his Alabama days if he yeah. has that explosive element to his game. Le'Veon Bell literally called him out and said that he needed to lose weight. So I'm hoping he takes that to heart. We'll see in training camp. We'll see. Okay. I'm gonna close this out with Jordan Love. And this almost comes from like the contract standpoint that he signed where so weird. He put himself at a crossroads in some ways where he signed for $13 million guaranteed on a one year contract extension to put that in the context. That's basically like half of what Geno Smith is making this year. And this has to be a good season for Jordan love to even get either a Geno contract or he goes into like the Jacoby Brissett territory. And there's no way for us to even know necessarily who Jordan Love is because he hasn't played very much. Um, he has 83 passes on the NFL field in the regular season. Uh, poor, poor Rich Rivar, one of our favorites. The Packers were not a fancy friendly offense last season due to running one of the slowest paces in the league. 
even with Aaron Rodgers under center, the Packers were 18th in pass rate over expectation, and that rate was 23rd on first downs. So when I look at this team and try to guess what they are going to be now moving away from a recent, what, two-time MVP to now with this guy on a one-year extension and them not knowing exactly who he is as the future of their team, one, they have to have probably the youngest quarterback plus wide receiver room in the NFL, right? But two, when you look at their roster construction, their defense has eight first-round picks, <laughs> and he is the only first-round pick on offense. So what are they more likely to rely on? This quarterback to throw the ball around? Or is it going to be this defense, which really underperformed, especially stopping the run last year, and they kept the same defense coordinator, and running the football? Because yeah. the running the football is where they have their most investment. So I, I would say it might be a bit of a – not ordinary offense, but I wouldn't be shocked for a team that was 15th in team carries per game last year if they're top five in team carries this year. Could not agree more. It's the youngest offense in the league, the least experienced offense. And Jordan Love was a very boom-bust prospect to me. He had a great sophomore season and then was not very good as a junior when he declared um, and then obviously hasn't done much at all Uh since 2021, there's been 68 quarterbacks who have as many uh, attempts as Jordan Love. So 68 quarterbacks. Jordan Love's 49th in success rate and 53rd in completion percentage over expected. And while he is decently athletic, he's not like a difference-making quarterback when it comes to athleticism. He hasn't really shown that much rushing upside for fantasy land as well. So I'm with you. I think they have Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones for probably one more decent year out of him. A.J. Dillon, I think they can get a lot of snaps out of too. And I'm just a little bit worried there's not going to be that much volume in this offense in general. And I'm not sure that Jordan Love's going to be able to elevate it. So at one point, I was kind of mixing in Jordan Love. But I think I'm with you now. My read on it is he just bet against himself in ways. Like he could, you want to at least play for that franchise tag because like you can kind of stronghold your team into picking up that franchise tag, which is a lot more money than what he is expecting to make next year. And I just didn't really like that. It was basically the first time a player's like openly like bet against himself. It was very, very odd. Now, to take the opposite end of this, because I think it's important to talk through both sides, if he does play well, where, by the way, the defense is coming out during these mini camps and like um, complimenting. They think he's the GOAT. <laughs> or in Love's game, which is, you know, m some might say they wouldn't do that if he was playing poorly in minicamp. Let's put it that way. If they do run a bit, again, not to use vanilla, but more run focused and run heavy offense in the first four weeks and they're winning some games and you know against the bears they play really well to open week one maybe as we go along they do loosen the reins a little bit so when we get to week seven week eight week 10 week 11 he has more command of this offense and i want to bring up that like where people are drafting the packers maybe the only one that is not well let's say everyone but christian watson might be underdrafted at the moment because Aaron Jones, you can get him as running back 17. A.J. Dillon running back 33. And then, like, no one wants to draft Jaden Reed at wide receiver 70. We talked about Jordan Loves at quarterback 20 right now, 153 overall. And the one you want to talk about is Luke Musgrave as tight end 26, That's 202 right. overall. Like, there is probably no better. I can't tell you how many drafts I'm ending either with Hayden Hurst as my tight end three or Luke Musgrave as my tight end three every single time. Yep, I'm I'm drafting Luke Musgrave and AJ Dillon and letting those chips fall from there. Final point with Aaron Rodgers, 
This team was ninth in third down conversion rate in 2021, 17th last year. And we know that they didn't make the playoffs. It was a down year. And so with somewhat of the same pieces, I'm a little bit concerned that maybe Jordan Love isn't be going to be able to, to consistently convert those third downs like Aaron Rodgers did. And then when you also consider that even with MVP caliber play in one of those years, they were 18th in red zone touchdown rate in 2021 and then 23rd in red zone touchdown rate last year. It makes you wonder like, okay, how much can Jordan Love get to the point that Aaron Rodgers was at? And is that even like enough? If that yeah. makes sense. And I think when you, when you get to the red zone, you need one difference making pass catcher. Do they have that in, in that role? Like Christian Watson's good in other roles in that role. I'm not sure. I think that's a great point because Christian Watson, I think they're going to be even more creative with him this year and do a lot of across the formation jet sweep manufacturer yeah. touch type things. Plus vertical arm, even if that's not Jordan loves game compared to what it was for Aaron Rodgers. Um, but none of those guys are the ISO player that Devontae Adams was inside the red zone. That's a huge difference. And on third downs, that's a yep. huge difference. All right. Those are our, our six players. Uh, leave one of yours. I'm sure we missed a number. I have like a list of about 15 that I wrote down to will it down. And I mean, could have talked about Jerry Judy here. Yes. Uh, Arthur Smith and Cal Pitts. Um Alexander Madison, of course. So let us know in the comments your player and maybe a little reason why that is at the crossroads of their fantasy football career. Only thing I'll add, pay attention to the underdog fantasy news and Twitter accounts over the next week or two weeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> little tease there. Um, we'll be back next week with many, many more shows. Glad you all are playing all these games. And while you are drafting, go and look at the NFL season-long pick'em projections. It's the best way to, as we've talked about, complement or supplement players you are or are not drafting this summer in best ball. And if you've never played best ball before or done pick'em, it's the perfect time to do so. I will personally match your first deposit in the link in the description down below up to $100. All right. For Hayden, I'm Josh. Up the Villa. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya.